Because they had a ship broadcast on with the book of Negroes. So to see anything like that, for all the listeners what they around the world and things like that, they get it, we saw it. We thank you, thank you, the hundred children, because you don't get me the most 100,000 of these, you listen around the world, and hundred to share them and things like that, and we're so glad for that. And we know, so we ancestors appreciate them, because we still crack we teeth for the ancestors. I want to crack we teeth the other rest of the week, but make sure all the hundred children get understanding for what me to crack my teeth about this evening. And so to ensure that all my listeners around the world can totally understand understand what I'm saying, that's the reason I'm switching to this language. And this is Queen Quet, Chief this, and head of state for the Gullah Geechee Nation and hostess for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. I'm very pleased this evening that tonight will show a broadcast called The Book of Negroes, which is what inspired my title for tonight's broadcast from Negro to Nationhood. Because over 20-some years ago, when I found out there existed this documentation called The Book of Negroes, there were many, many people who had no clue about what I was talking about. When I mentioned it, when I was going up to Nova Scotia to do the Our Story and Heritage Conference that I founded in Nova Scotia to show not only the history of the Underground Railroad, but actually the Gullah Geechee from the Sea Islands all the way to Canada, to Nova Scotia, and what had taken place outside of what is constituted as underground railroad stories, and how our people had been part of this journey to freedom that had become to be a global journey, from African people being enslaved on this coastal region that is now the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, but some fighting back during the American Revolution, some fighting back during the War of 1812, and then being liberated by the British, who is kind of ironic, right? Um, the same people who have participated in the enslavement of the Africans now having the Africans fight on their side of the lines and offering them freedom yet in another place. And so this is why many of our family ended up actually in Nova Scotia, and I personally have lived in Nova Scotia, and so I've done some work there in Nova Scotia as well. And so it's been interesting because the journey to Nova Scotia was one that I never would have dreamed that I ever would have done. You know, looking at a globe as a little girl, it was just like, well, what is this piece of Canada doing sitting out there in the water? <laughs> yes, and even being from an island, something that big you don't look at on the globe as another island. But then seeing it after a while as I continued to grow and being intrigued by it and then beginning to do more and more work with, at that time, the Underground Railroad Study and this year the Underground Railroad Network to Freedom's annual conference will be coming to the Gullah Geechee Nation in June, in fact, to Hilton Head Island, and we were the first ones to actually host the Underground Railroad, what we call gathering, on St. Helena Island to have the first one before it became this official conference that it is now with registration fees and all these kinds of things going on. And it's been an interesting journey to see how the names of who was initially involved in the movement to get the Underground Railroad established as a national network of freedom in the United States is not listed in a lot of documentation because the U.S. National Park Service claimed that the booklet that came out from it, that they don't list the advisors and the advisory boards in it, and we thought that that should not have been the case because then as time went on, no one would know who had been behind it. They didn't list the consultants. I was one of the consultants. They didn't list the various people who attended all those meetings and hearings to fight for it to actually be there. But now 
the reason I mention that now is now all these years later, people act like each time this conference comes up is something brand new because they suddenly heard about it. Well, this is the same case of happening with the Book of Negroes. Now that it's coming to television, there's a lot of critiques I noticed right before coming on the air here that if I type in the Book of Negroes now on, on Google, you don't find the literature about it. You immediately find film and you find this story that is going to air on television tonight as some of you who are Gullah Geechee Nation fans and friends, uh, especially the friends of the Gullah Geechee Nation, you got to see a preview of this first episode because it has been somewhat leaked um, on Facebook a few weeks ago and we already posted it and already viewed it. But I see that a lot of critics are saying that they rushed through history. Well, part of the rush through history is the loss of documentation of the stories of people of African descent in general and in particular Gullah Geechee's or writing of us as Negro, writing of us as black, writing of us as African American, so that no one could distinguish that we were a unique ethnic group here on this coast that existed even during this time frame that this setting is going to deal with. And so as a result, people years later start taking credit for things or start acting like it's brand new when there's a legacy that was already left by a number of people whose names were not scribed in a book. And that is why it's so critical to me as a writer, as someone who now you could consider a reporter having this radio show and a television show with Gullah Geechee TV, that is critical for me to make sure that you know our names. That is critical to me that you know of the people who actually did these things. Because I've also lived long enough to see people take credit where the credit is not due. Um, and that is unfortunate. I also believe in divine order, divine timing, universal law. So I know that they won't go on forever that way, um, but nonetheless, it is important, it is critical that we recognize the journey that our ancestors took and so that we can respect and appreciate where we to be now and things like that, because there are so many people that seem to think that our lives just got to be however they are today without the blood, the sweat, the tears, and the life-giving energy of others before us. And so when we were called before slaves instead of enslaved Africans, Negroes, and then the word that I hate that some of you use, whether you put E-R at the end or A at the end, it's not a term of endearment. It is a derogatory term, all right, that stemmed out of the use of this term Negro. When we were called these names, it was to take away our names. It was to strip us of the humanity of having been named, to strip you of family and heritage and culture and reconnection. Because with the names comes a story. With name comes a point of connectivity. So even when people of African descent went about in their 70s changing their names because they said, well, those other names were the slave master's last name, those weren't our last names, well, to some degree there's truth, but then there is that legacy of what your ancestors built and created here that you can't reconnect to if nobody knows your name. So that is why it is so critical that tonight we wanted to make sure that all of our supporters at Gullah Geechee Nation on Facebook, all of our supporters and followers at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, that you all were well aware 
after that, the show, The Book of Negroes, is coming on tonight because we want to hear your discussions. We want to see where you go with this. And, of course, we're going to have some more coming up on GullahGeecheeNation.com uh, blog about that film and about our true story and our connection to what's called The Book of Negroes. Now, I want to start off with a few things tonight because, you know, this month, Black History Month, is also our Gullah Geechee Read-In. This is the first year we are participating in the great African-American Read-In, and in particular here, the Gullah Geechee Read-In. And so I've been going to a number of schools and presenting, as I do annually, but also having our porch talks, and another one will be coming up on St. Helena Island the last week of this month, and so that we have an opportunity to read and to share the fact that we have literature that we have written. But I also want to share from the Gullah Geechee Al-Kabulan archive some materials that I read through many years ago that made me aware of the Book of Negroes, that made me aware of our people who were here in the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida, but especially in the Carolinas and in, in, in that time frame of the 1700s that were able to participate. There was no Georgia yet. And so that who were the participants in these revolutionary wars and the War of 1812 and the battles for freedom that were going on very early in the transatlantic slave trade as it relates to North America and chattel enslavement as it relates to our Gullah Geechee ancestors. But I want to deal with first this term Negro, then go into some of the journey that people took even during these wars and why get the Negroes to participate in these wars during the American Revolution and the War of 1812. Why get them in the first place? If we have stripped them of humanity, we consider them chattel, which means basically they're just items to be bought and sold and to be dictated to as slaves. Why would we need them if we are the fighters? The fighters should be the warriors. Why do you need any backup? Why do you need anyone to participate and assist you? Well, let's first look at this. I decided to do what I've done since I started reading at three years old. I must have been handed a dictionary by the time I was four, a children's dictionary. By the time I was five, that children's dictionary did me absolutely no good because of the books that I was reading, and they were not on a children's level. They were at high school and college level books that I started reading in elementary school very, very early on. I probably started with a few sixth-grade books in kindergarten, and by the time I got to the end of kindergarten, was reading what now today would be called middle school, but when I was going to junior high school level books. And so by the time I got to the upper grades of the lower grades, right, of elementary school, then I was reading high school to college-level books, and they were all over my house, so it was easy to obtain. There were libraries on my way back and forth home, so that was easy to obtain. Well, here it is that this word Negro I decide to look up tonight because it's just something that I'm prone to do. And I wanted to see... Was my electronic dictionary going to even open up and give me a word there at all? Because it took a while for it to open up for some reason this evening, as if it didn't want to show me. But it says, now, a member of a dark-skinned group of peoples originally native to Africa south of the Sahara. Adjective, of or relating to such people. Now, I find it interesting that it doesn't just say originally native to Africa anymore, but that it's only south of the Sahara. So I guess that's why some people are African 
and don't call themselves African. They rather call themselves Middle Eastern and these types of terminologies or uh, Asian and, and other things that, but they're African. But now I get it. I guess just so that they don't get called Negro. So now the origin we deal with is Spanish and Portuguese from the Latin Niger, okay, which is N-I-G-R of it is black, Niger, N-I-G-E-R, okay, not double G. The word Negro was adopted from Spanish and Portuguese and first recorded from the mid-16th century. It remained the standard term throughout the 17th to 19th centuries and was used by such prominent black American campaigners as W.E.B. Du Bois, Booker T. Washington in the early 20th century. Since the black power movement in the 1960s, however, when the term black was favored as a term to express racial pride, Negro has dropped out of favor and now seems out of date or even offensive in both the U.S. and British English. The 2010 U.S. Census Questionnaire was criticized when it retained the racial designation Negro as an option, along with black and African American. The Census Bureau defended its decision, citing the 2,000 census forms on which more than 56,000 individuals hand-wrote Negro, even though it was already on the form. Apparently, Negro continues to be the identity strongly preferred by some Americans. Okay? Now, it's interesting that they give us all that background in terms of the origin and how that word and its use has evolved over time, in particular in America and in England. Okay? Now, they go on in Wikipedia to deal with the fact that the word Negro is used in the English-speaking world to refer to a person of black ancestry or a parent, which is what I was accustomed to why I mentioned earlier that distinction about below the sub-Saharan and all of that not being something I was familiar with in the past as a definition. Negro denotes black in Spanish and Portuguese, derived from the ancient Latin word Niger, black, which itself is probably from a proto-Indo-European root, nik, to be dark akin to knock, night. Negro superseded colored as the most polite word for African Americans at a time when black was considered more offensive. This word was accepted as normal, included by people classified as Negroes, until the later civil rights movement in the 1960s. Okay, and that's why, you know, there are numerous groups such as the originating group for Black History Month did not start off as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, started off as the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. And we have the bound copies of the journals within our archive. So I can even take a picture of that and show that to you. But that is how it started off. We started off with Negro History Week. It evolved into Black History Month and is now Black History African Heritage Month. And so when we talk about this terminology, Negro, it has gone a distance in our community, and we still use it, but we often use it amongst ourselves to distinguish who we are referring to in terms of their mentality and their behavior and whether or not we feel that they have evolved along forward with others who might consider themselves black now and some who consider themselves African-American, or as we do, many of us as Gullah Geechees, where I say Africans in America that are actually Gullah Geechee. And so it's very interesting to see the movements that went on that then fueled 
what terminology, what characterization would be used for an entire race of people to distinguish the people themselves? What categories will we use even on the census form? And I really find it intriguing that people in 2000 wrote in Negro, and it would have been nice to know what age range of people it was that tended to write in the word Negro, because a lot of the elders in our community are fine with saying Negro or black, as opposed to African American. They feel more comfortable with black and some with Negro, as we could hear here, based on what was written. So when we hear the term the Book of Negroes, I believe that that title has captured a lot of minds, but at one point, the book that came out in Canada called The Book of Negroes was told it needed to change its name, and it got changed to Somebody Knows My Name in reference to those 3,000 names that were written down in what was called The Book of Negroes because they felt, again, like this article has pointed out, somebody would be offended by being printed as The Book of Negroes, but it would have been accurate And as a historian, I think accuracy should supersede all other things because otherwise you are confusing and clouding what actually took place just as much as you are when you leave names out and and you don't give the credit where the credit is due. So in giving credit where credit is due tonight, before I go into more background on the Book of Negroes and its connection to Gullah Geechee's and who we be down young, thing like that, it. And as part of this Gullah Geechee reading, I want to read, as I mentioned earlier, from the Gullah Geechee Alke Vulan archive, the only archive in the world totally dedicated to Gullah Geechee history, heritage, and culture. We have an entire section about the Revolutionary War in the U.S. and the uh, War of 1812 because of the connections to our story that I found by working on the Underground Railroad research that took me back to my own home here on these sea islands and then upward to Canada, to Nova Scotia. Now, I want to start at the later date and work backwards tonight. So I'm going to start with a book called Amongst My Best Men, African Americans in the War of 1812 by Gerard T. Althoff. And this is something that I want people to be well aware of. He said, quote, the numbers of black seamen who crewed American merchant and whaling ships was substantial. A survey of crew lists from Philadelphia, perhaps the busiest of American ports, revealed that of 2,524 seamen registered in that city in 1810, 378 were of African descent, nearly 15% of the total. Two years later, the percentage had risen to 17.2. Crew numbers Shipping out of New Orleans during the same period totaled 19.3% African-American, while black sailors comprised 17% of the crews sailing from Baltimore. In Providence, Rhode Island, where black citizenry accounted for 8.5% of population, they comprised 20% of the seamen. All along the East and Gulf Coast, as ports like Portland, New Bedford, Newport, Westport, Wilmington, Charleston, Savannah, and Mobile, merchant and whaling ships conducted the commerce of a nation, and free men of color sought berths in order to improve their lives. Some merchantmen were crewed exclusively by black sailors, end quote. Wilmington, Charleston, Savannah. Wilmington, Charleston, Savannah. 
Wilmington, North Kakalaki, Charleston, South Kakalaki, Savannah, Georgia, major cities, major ports and ports of entry and points of entry and exportation and exploitation in the Gullah Geechee Nation. Who was manning the port? Who was building the ships? Who built the boats? Who navigated the waterways, the seaboards, the black seamen, the Gullah Geechee seamen, the black sailors and captains and pilots? These Gullah Geechee men were men of power. They knew how to build and how to maintain and how to navigate the water. The water to bring me up, the water to take me back. Hence, why they would be valuable, extraordinarily and extremely valuable assets to anyone who was going to be fighting a war. And these wars were not all fought on land. Remember when you think about the American Revolution, you were in the 1700s, 1776, remember that? Yes, think about it. 1812, another war. We're not talking about bridges. We are not talking about tankers coming across land. We are talking about hand-to-hand combat. We're talking about cannons being fired from waterside. We are talking about having to navigate waters even where you are within a hurricane zone, storms and such. And Cape Fear, Wilmington area, is known for the raging waters there and how our ancestors were the ones who largely dealt with the ships because of their ability to handle these waterways. So if you wonder, well, how is it and why is it that they would take bondsmen, as they called us, enslaved individuals, and get them engaged in the war. It is not just dry in the dry lawn, so tall, tall. It is due to the fact that they had abilities and skill sets that, say, today were marketable, but that were useful in turning the tide, shall we say, pun intended, of these wars, and that would be beneficial. And in this case, where the British had previously enslaved our ancestors, the British came back to ask them for a favor and say, well, hey, maybe you can help us this time, and if you do, we'll set you free. Isn't that interesting? So now, here it is. Then we're going to go backwards in time some more and so that we can, let's see how we'll go. I want to start here where we talk about the flight of the enslaved to the British forces back in the 1700s. So the piece I read you a little while ago was from the War of 1812. But now I want to read to you from an outstanding scholar. He's published several different works, Benjamin Quarles. And this one is The Negro in the American Revolution. This also comes from the Gullah Geechee Al-Kabulan archive. Quote, Individual masters themselves took steps to prevent the flight of slaves to the British forces. In April 1781, a group of Baltimoreans purchased two lookout boats at their own expense. Down along the Santee River in South Carolina, one slave proprietor tried psychology. He advised his overseer to keep his mouth shut in handling Negroes, singling out one of the black women as an example. 
If you say the least about Ruth, she will run off, for she is an arc bitch. A more direct procedure was simply to remove slaves from the vicinity of the British forces. Known in the Civil War as, quote, running the Negroes, end quote, this practice had the backing of the Virginia lawmakers. In April 1776, the convention passed a resolution requiring the removal of all slaves in Norfolk and Prince Anne counties, an order that had to be modified five weeks later so that the male slaves not capable of bearing arms might remain to tend and gather the corn crop. A year later, Governor Henry asked the council to advise him on how to check the flight of the Negroes from Northampton to Acomac counties. The council recommended that slaves on the eastern shore be sent to the interior of the state and confined to a safety zone determined by the governor. In the autumn of 1780, John Bannister informed a friend that in the event the enemy approached Petersburg, he would, quote, send off his Negroes, end quote. Many slave masters in the lower south took the same step. When the British came to Georgia, the Negro in general, wrote loyalist Josiah Wright, were carried into South Carolina. In a reversal of direction, one master, Edward Fenwick of Berkeley County, South Carolina, transported upwards of 100 Negroes to Georgia. From British headquarters at Charleston in March 1782, General Alexander Leslie ordered a cavalry detail to proceed to Daniels Island to collect slaves, making it known to them that if they behaved with fidelity, they might depend upon the generosity of the English. A week later, the officer in charge of the expedition reported that although he had induced 100 blacks to join him, the number was less than expected because the American master had, quote, taken the precaution of sending their most valuable slaves across the river, end quote. Now notice, there's a whole lot of physical human three-card money going on. They are playing musical chairs with lives of hundreds of enslaved Africans moving them about, taking the ones that they don't think can bear arms and leaving them be, letting them work in the cornfield someplace because they figured then even if the British got hold of those ones, it don't matter because they can't hold no gun properly anyway. They can't shoot. They can't fight too good, so they all right. We leave them there. But the ones that we think, including, as he called her, the arc bitch, don't let them know anything because they're the type that will go ahead and run and run straight into the arms, you can use that both ways, of the British and fight and fight against us who now consider ourselves to be their masters, the ones who are enslaving them, the ones who are degrading them, the ones who are keeping them in bondage, not for a period of time, not as prisoners of war, but simply as chattel that we feel. It is our duty to keep in bondage. Well, they may have moved and shuffled those hundreds from Berkeley to Georgia and a few from Georgia to South Carolina and hit moved some inland and did all of that during that American Revolution, but that did not stop some people like Gullah Jack from escaping from where they were during these upheavals and the like. That's how Gullah Jack ended up getting from Florida up to Charleston, where he ended up working with Denmark, B.C. in the 1800s, because these folks were never just going to sit down if they had freedom in their bones. If there was a time of war, a time of upheaval, that's the perfect time to get away from one place to the next. So, of course, these who were trying to keep 
our ancestors, our people in bondage were trying to find every way possible. You see, don't let them know what's going on. Also, shift them around. Move them this way. Move them that way. And then let us see if we can't keep them out of the hands of the British because they knew that if the British was offering freedom, then that was going to be our ally, strategy of war. You don't make friends during war. You make allies during war. So here it is that we move from whose names got written down. Because even some of these folks that they talk about got shifted around and who Quarles wrote up and who Althoff has, has touched on in the later years in 1812, these folks ended up in Canada, in Nova Scotia, where I've stayed, where I've toured, where I've helped to enlighten, where I've helped to reconnect. Plenty of we people and things like that, because they ain't first know some people still but did down get a crack and teeth like this year. But they were so happy to find that, yes, they had family come and return to them. And it was so wonderful to have had that opportunity 20 years, almost 21 years ago, to have the Our Story and Heritage Conference there at the Black Cultural Center in Nova Scotia, and to have gone out to the various land and saw the Poland, as we would call it, that had actually been issued out to those who did fight on the side of the British. Yeah, they got their freedom. Yeah, they got land that they said they'd get, but there was no provisions on that land. The land was nowhere where they could grow food or anything. So many of them, again, repatriated back to Africa and ended up being the founders of Freetown, Sierra Leone, and the founders of Liberia. Our circle, as I mentioned in the beginning, is global. It is international. Our story as Gullah Geechee's is international, and it remains international. We were called to a nation within a nation even during this time frame of these upheavals during the 1700s. It was written that we were a nation within a nation. Well, let's start dealing with how that nation was engaging with this nation of Britain that had this horrific background of having gotten them to North America in the first place. The Book of Negroes, as I mentioned from the beginning of the show, was actually a record of 3,000 names of people of African descent who actually did escape into those British lines during the American Revolution. Okay, and they then ended up being part of those ships. They worked on those ships. They helped navigate those ships to get them all the way from down south, as people would say, all the way up the eastern seaboard and to Nova Scotia and to become freedmen there. Men and women were part of it. Now, it's interesting because the book, the describing of these 3,000 names started through a man named Samuel Birch, okay? And there is a Birch town in Nova Scotia, which is because of his name. And so he was under a man named Guy Carrollton, who was the first baron of Dorchester. And so he decided he would scribe each one that had come into the ranks to fight on their side during the what is now called the American Revolutionary War. And so you got a settlement of who are called the black Nova Scotians and black Canadians or African-Canadians that are in Nova Scotia because of what we call the black loyalists, okay? And then you had several of these loyalists that ended up, as I say, not only going back all the way to Africa, 
but there are some islands in the Caribbean or Caribbean, handful in London as well. And so you have this detailed work that evolves over time with 3,000, 3,000 that managed to get away, to join the fight, to be evacuated, to get to freedom on a different route than what amounts to that route of the Underground Railroad. That's why I wanted to distinguish that early and let you know that at our conference we made it clear about these two different stories, these two different ways that people of African descent during chattel enslavement, the transatlantic slave trade, ended up being in Canada. And this distinction with the groups that are still there in Nova Scotia that know that their ancestors came from Carolina and Georgia was amazing. They came from Carolina in particular. I keep saying Georgia, but I don't mean Georgia. Came from Carolina in particular and South Carolina specifically that many of them recall. And so especially when they heard that it was a lady over at the building that spoke like some of them still spoke, they started showing up just to, to find out what was going on. And when I do they yet even to crack my teeth like this year, I'll never forget the one gentleman who said, "Oh, great God, I got to come back to this year because I'm so glad. <clears throat> I'm so glad for being a place where I can just be who I am." And so it was amazing to me to hear Gullah smoking in Canada, but there's a whole little enclave of our people that are still there that know now that they have yet their own nation now, the Gullah Geechee Nation. And it's such a blessing that we've gone from being Negro to nation, that people respect who we be, even the names of those that weren't written down. That is why it's so critical for us to still write down who we be this your day. Now, this book of Negroes that was recorded, you had one set that was recorded by British officers. You had another set recorded by American officers as the time went on. And you have the British version at the U.K. archives in, in London. And you have the Book of Negroes in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. And so you had it published under the Black Loyalist Directory. And so many people who are not aware of this book would not, realized that when this this book of Negroes in 2007 came out in Canada and then someone knows my name as it was printed in the U.S. so it was not to offend, as I mentioned earlier, as a novel came out, they thought it was just a story to be told. They just thought it was very interesting or intriguing, not realizing it is based on actual his story, our story. It is part of the Gullah Geechee legacy. So now this mini-series that is about to come on, people are critiquing it already. As I mentioned before I came on the air, I saw a number of critiques already about how it rushes through history and glosses over things. I'd love to hear your comments on it um, after you watch it tonight and the rest of this week as it reruns on BET or whatever, and you get chances on your DVR if you're recording it and then catching it like I'm going to have to do in between going to various other Black History African Heritage Month celebrations. I would love to hear from you. Please make sure to email me to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. GoGeeko at AmericaOnline.com, and that's also the email you can use at any time to reach the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. And the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition has held on 
to these writings, these works, these types of documents, because we think it is critical for people to under and overstand who we be. As we complete the archive, we will be doing annotated bibliographies, and some of our books already have note pages that we've added to them to distinguish things that when people pull the books from our shelves, they'll recognize and realize when people are referred to as Negro, they're referred to as, you know, blacks or African Americans as people are starting to rewrite things, <laughs> that if they're referring to them in this area, that they are Gullah Geechee's that they are speaking of. And so we want to make sure that the future generation that writes of us, that they do know our name, that somebody knows our name, that it's not just in general some people down south did this or some black folks did that or some Negro people did this, but that it's critical that somebody does know your name. And that's why it's important with the Gullah Geechee Nation. Notice we have a slash in it when we write it. That is because there's no separation. We didn't use a space. We didn't use a dash because a dash looks like a minor sign. We did not want anything taken away from the people. We wanted to ensure that the people realize they are connected. I love when I tweet it because Gullah Geechee are just sandwiched together. Instagram, they're sandwiched together. There's no space. There's nothing else that has to be between it. Gullah Geechee, we be Gullah Geechee, anointed people, one people, united with the same DNA of freedom that these 3,000 of our ancestors had in their DNA that said we can be free. We are to be free. We have a right to be free. And if we have to fight to get it, we will fight to get it. If we have to fight to maintain it, we will fight to maintain it. So in Nova Scotia, when we saw the rocky soil, I mean, literally rocky soil. And it's, this is where your ancestors came to. This was the land that they had been given. And there are no houses there today on that partic- those particular parcels. I said, what? And I said, so they gave them land where they couldn't feed themselves. They said, exactly. They didn't give them prime land. They gave them poor land. But even in spite of that, it didn't stop them from having families there that have thrived and survived all the way up to this time frame, that still kept their memories intact, that they remember, we be Gullah Geechee, we're from Carolina. We have our own language. We're passing that to our family members. In spite of the fact that other African-Canadians tease us, might not understand us, might, you know, ostracize even many of us who still speak this way, we're going to hold on to it because we know it got brought up here by our great-great-grandparents. But then there's the Creole, that is Sierra Leone, and Creole, K-R-I-O, is the cousin or the sibling to Gullah. And so when you hear it, it sounds like you're speaking Gullah. And this is, again, something that went full circle with our ancestors going to Sierra Leone in Freetown. That's why you can distinguish the Creole from the Mende and the Temne and the other groups that are there. And then Liberia, being founded, again, by many of our people who were repatriated that went back there, who felt like it would be better going back to their own motherland, to their own country, and forming their own colonies there and being free. But wasn't. That's a story for another time. And so here it is that the journey continues to make it sure that somebody knows our name. The journey continues to getting people to realize that we've surpassed being Negro, and we are Gullah Geechee, 
and that we are a people of nationhood, that we are the freedom fighters that continue to stand today for human rights, that that battle is yet still on, while there are those who would rather blot out human rights during Black History Month and forsake it for celebration with entertainment and simply having singing and dancing and maybe a few movie showings here and there. It is interesting how intriguing this process has begun to be, how many newspaper articles continue to come out about everything except actual black history about anyone who is persistent in fighting against a system that would yet again exploit and enslave African peoples here on these sea islands, here down south, here where the Book of Negroes first got scribed as people ran into the ranks of those that they needed to ally with in order to have their freedom. Shall we begin to write down again today? Because I think if I sat up all night, I could come up with more than 3,000 names right now of Native Gullah Geechis that I know of who are parts of families and people who have been doing things the whole punny land like an Eddie. But if I needed to write down a list of those who simply show up when we have a Gullah Geechee porch talk or a rally or a fight, or we sit down to strategize ahead of time and be proactive and not reactionary and nation-building, that list would be very short. It wouldn't take me all night. In Within a, an hour, I could have that list written because it would not be 3,000 names. But I think that those names need to be listed. I think that those names need to increase. I think that those names need to be written in a book of nationhood. There's something in the Gullah Geechee Al-Kibulan archives that lists who we be. We started off that list, and I'm sure we have over 3,000 or more families listed from the beginning of when we stood as a nation. But I'd like to have another list of who was persistent, who was consistent, who continued to be active and proactive in upholding their own nation who didn't turn coat and go to the opposite side and become an ally with those who actually are now the exploiters, who were not those who decided, well, I think it would be more beneficial if I don't act like I know Queen Quentin knows because, you know, they, they're speaking out too much. I'd rather be known as an entertainer. I'd rather be known as someone who just owns a little shop. I'd rather be just known to people as a storyteller because they accept that. They don't accept the ones who fought back. There, notice how he wrote of the woman who fought back, who spoke up, who stood up, who stood out. Ark, bitch. First time I ever read that, A-R-C-H. Yes, Ark, bitch. I've heard of Ark rivals and all those kind of things. But it's kind of interesting to see an arch, bitch, written out. And to be called that simply because he felt it wasn't acceptable how she stood up. So don't let her know there's an opportunity to get out of here from bondage because that's going to be a problem. So here it is that to this day you have people that would like to call folks that probably do behind our backs because they too wish we wouldn't speak up. But guess what? Somebody or to know our name. And so as long as I have the voice, as long as God gives me command of my brain and my hands, 
my mouth to be able to speak. I will do as I was elected to do, which is speak out on nationhood for my people and who we be down young. And I will scribe who it is participating in our current efforts as nationhood people, nation builders, nation sustainers. And on that note, I want to salute all of the contributors to the brand-new Gullah Geechee Anthology, We Be Gullah Geechee, Cultural Capital and Collaboration Anthology. You can get it at gullahgeechee.biz. You can also get it on Amazon.com. And if you look up Queen Quet, Marquetta, good one on Amazon.com, you'll see that a number of my other previously written books about Gullah Geechee, our story, have been released on there on Kindle as well as paperback versions. And we have some other ones that are being released this month. And if you get on there this week, you will find that you can get those books on sale this week on Amazon as well. You'll get a little discount if you get them this week, and those sale prices will change throughout the week. We're doing that as part of the Gullah Geechee Reading, as part of Black History Month, and also as part of celebrating the International Decade of people of African descent, which every decade for me is that celebration. But within this, going to challenge myself to start to keep a book that writes down those of nationhood, writes their name, writes the area of the Gullah Geechee Nation in which I met them or what from whence they come, and also what it is that they did to uphold nationhood to show that we are more than Negroes, but that we are truly people who be anointed Gullah Geechee and we be free. And so I'm pleased that someone took the time to go through an archive and that Lawrence Hill took the time to take that literature that a lot of people would never read, would never go through, would never see, and then write his novel, the Book of Negroes, or Someone Knows My Name. And I'm even more pleased that then it has been picked up and turned into a miniseries, screenplay, so that people will watch it. Because unfortunately, there are less and less people that will know the names of individuals if they're written down, because less and less people are reading, more and more are watching, and then some are not retaining even after they watch. So I pray tonight that as people watch the Book of Negroes on VET, they watch it in Canada, that they also obtain what they see, but that they're inspired to go out and learn more about their own family legacy and about the legacies of African people in the world, especially those who have fought to keep their names alive. And as long as a man or woman's name is called, that man or woman never died. That is what we believe in African cosmology. That is our tradition. And that is why it's important to have that book, to have those names, to have those names spoken of again and again. And so it is definitely a blessing and an honor to be able to read of our people, of our legacy, and who we be, and to continue to celebrate this journey. I want to again thank the guests that in the chat room I see that I also have a guest 
that is on the telephone line tonight, and we're about to open up the phone line. 615, I see you already there. 615, you're about to come alive if you have something to say when I open up the line. And we are going to open up the phone line right now in these last few remaining minutes that we have, 347-324-3903. If you want to call in and share something tonight, 347-324-3903. 03 is the number. Once again, 347-324-3903. And whenever you're in the chat room, if you want to be able to live chat, you can always open up a free account at Blog Talk Radio, and then that way you'll be able to type in comments and things as we're on the air. And again, anytime, you can always email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E. C-O at AOL dot com. And so let me see. Tonight we have 615-631. The time has begun. We're going on 615-631. Good evening, 615-631. Guess they're just tuning in here. Didn't have anything to say. So definitely we want to keep those lines open, 347-324-3903. If anyone else wants to call in and actually has something to ask or something to say, I know that many times the listeners, they want to get it in, so they try to get in any way they can. They call and listen, or they'll also, if they're driving a lot of y'all, call and listen, and I appreciate that. And then the others who definitely download this broadcast via iTunes for free, or you go back through and you share it and you listen in through your Facebook and also our media player at blogtalkradio.com slash Gullah Geechee. And Gullah is G-U-L-L-A-H. Geechee is G-E-E-C-H-E-E. We appreciate you for the many, many downloads and the many sharings that you do. And you can definitely subscribe on iTunes to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio for free so that you can have this broadcast and you can share it with others. And I also want to take this time now to just thank all the family on John's Island and in Florence, South Kakalaki. It was a powerful week last week being to share our story and our journey with the youth in those various school districts and the various schools that we attended. It was powerful. We got to go to Heart Gap and Williams and Sneed and all of these different schools, and it was it was really outstanding being able to spend that time and then to return to Manning and to be able to close out the week last week. At Spartanburg, we're on the way to you. We're about to head to Wolford College this week. Wednesday evening, we will be at Wolford College at the Leonard Auditorium, and then on Thursday, 11 a.m., we will be in that same auditorium once again, myself and the Gullah Connection. And so we still got a little more time. Phone lines are still open, 347-324-3903. I recognize this phone number from All Mobile Productions. What's going on this evening, brother? Kwame Shaw, what's going on? Peace, Queen Quinn. How honor to do? I uh, do well. How honor to do this evening? Uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, had a chance to catch your show. I don't often have the opportunity, so I was able to catch it today. So just want to commend you on it. Uh, nothing to ask. Just want to, you know, give you props for the work that you do and continue to do. A great history lesson this evening. I appreciate that. And uh, appreciate keep going on and keep doing what you're doing and look forward to continue working with you. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you calling in. That was definitely a shock to see it come up on the switchboard. I almost thought I had a computer glitch for a minute. Uh, I <laughs> your number come up here. I was like, what? He's tuned into the show? This is, this is great. This is history in the making right here. And definitely <laughs> looking forward to you uh, being there engineering for the Gullah Connection this week in Spartanburg and also out in Columbia, South Carolina, out there, Hopkins, actually. You know, so definitely looking forward to us continuing this journey and sharing our story and so that folks as you heard me saying will know our name even as the future uh tells the story so appreciate you being there and appreciate your support thanks for calling in thank you thank you thank you thank you anytime honor welcome peace and blessings yeah that's the one thing about doing a live show you just never know family friends all kind of folks be calling up shocking you and stuff like that is a good thing uh but definitely that was a welcome surprise and i also always appreciate everyone on our facebook fan page if you are not yet following us on facebook please make sure to like the page at Gullah Geechee Nation. This way you can keep up with all of the different activities that are coming up. As I said, the Gullah Geechee Read-In will be continuing this month, the final Wednesday in this month from 6 to 8 at the St. Helena Branch Library. And the final Saturday and the final day of Black History Month 2015, we will be at the St. Helena Library showing Come Hell or High Water, the documentary, and we will again do more of the Gullah Geechee Read-In, and we'll share more at that time. And then March, we'll be there for the Gullah Geechee Porch Talk. And in April, the Gullah Geechee Porch Talk will be heading down to Brunswick, Georgia. And at each and every one of these events and activities, we will begin writing down this book that will be our book of nationhood that will have those categories in it that I just mentioned because it is so critical that somebody knows my name and that they recognize the fact that Gullah Geechis went from a time where we were called Negro to a time where we stood and the world recognized that we were about nationhood. And so I give to God and definitely honor my ancestors and all that they went through from deep down south here, all the way up Toronto to Canada and things like that in Nova Scotia. And what a blessing it is to have lived in both of these lands and to be able to be a living vessel to tell this story and to be able to be the scribe to write the next books so that somebody will truly continue to know our name in the future. And so continue to celebrate our story each and every day, and more so than that, continue to live a legacy where somebody will want to write it down and that somebody will make sure that your name continues to be called even when they put you to the ground. May your spirit, soul, and legacy live on. The Gullah Connection continues our Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour this week. Hope on the Chillin' Gwine Join Week. This year the Queen Quet head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad he hung the tune in this evening. The Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.